Want to come inside for a little while? Yummy, yummy, yummy. I've got love in my tummy. Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today we're talking about Thanksgiving again. I'm releasing this Thanksgiving week. As I recorded, I'm not sure if we're going out the day before or the day of Thanksgiving. But I figure either one counts as far as releasing for Thanksgiving is concerned. I wanted to talk about Thanksgiving again because I think it's so important to remember to be grateful and to be thankful for the things that we have in our lives. I talked about this a lot last week and I said I'd talk about it again this week because we're going through some tough times. I'm telling you, since 2020 and the pandemic, it feels like that was like yesterday and we're now three years, actually three and a half years into this pandemic. I know everybody acts like it's over. People are still getting COVID. People are still dying from COVID. And people are still pretending COVID didn't exist. I think we, as a global population, are still suffering from a little PTSD from that pandemic. Mrs. Gamerdude and I have noticed that people are just a little less happy, a little less friendly, a little nastier. Okay, maybe a lot nastier. And so as Thanksgiving rolls around yet again, it reminds me how important it is to be grateful for the things that we do have. So, of course, I'm taking the opportunity to remind you to be thankful. And just as I've talked about before, Thanksgiving is a holiday of traditions. For those of us in the U.S., there are so many holiday traditions associated with Thanksgiving. I'm sure the Canadian Thanksgiving is the same way. I guess I feel bad for people in countries who don't have Thanksgiving, but only bad to a point because it's not all fun and games at Thanksgiving time. There's the family politics to deal with. There's the travel. There's the cooking. There's this certain sense of obligation that goes with Thanksgiving. Oh, we have to get things just right. Otherwise, the holiday is a complete failure. I mean, so many people think that. So many people put so much pressure on themselves. And I was one of them for many years. I was one of them. You have to get everything right. The turkey has to be just so. The stuffing has to be just so. You gotta have the mashed potatoes, the sweet potatoes, the stuffing. Yeah, nothing healthier than three heavy starches for a dinner. You gotta have your green bean casserole. Yeah, the one with the French's French fried onions on top of it. Yeah, that one. Gotta have that. Gotta have corn. For those who don't like green bean casserole, gotta have the cranberries. But then you have the battle. Okay, do we get the actual cranberries in the jelly sauce or do we get the jellied cranberries? That all depends on which family members are coming. Okay, who likes what? Who likes the jellied? Who likes the whole cranberries? I can't remember. Oh yeah, that's a real struggle. When you're hosting, that's a real struggle. You gotta remember. Then there's the desserts. Well, you gotta have pumpkin pie. It's tradition. Well, what about pecan pie or pecan pie? How do you say it? I don't know. It's pecan pie, at least in my house. But what about it? What about the pecan pie? You gotta have it, right? There was one year I toyed with the idea of having a sweet potato pie instead of a pumpkin pie. Oh no, that did not go over well. So you've got pecan pie. You've got pumpkin pie. What about apple pie? Apple pie is traditional, right? Gotta have apple pie. I mean, apples are in season. It's the end of the harvest. Gotta have apple pie, right? But then do you do the whipped cream with it? Do you do the ice cream with it? Do you do both? Do you do neither? What about if my dad is coming over? Gotta make sure that I have the cheddar cheese. I've told you about this. My dad liked his apple pie, slightly warm, with a huge chunk of cheddar cheese. It's a New York thing. I'm not even sure why it's a New York thing. It's not something I experienced in the Midwest. I've looked it up. It's definitely something East Coast related. And it's actually not bad. I've tried it. Apple pie with a chunk of cheddar cheese. It's actually good. 
It's not something I would serve regularly, but if my dad was coming, yes, it was on the menu. Gotta have that wedge of cheddar cheese. And trying to get the turkey right. Oh my God, how many years have I tried to do the turkey? How many years did I try to get that turkey just right? I've cooked smaller turkeys, 12, 13, 14 pounds. I've cooked bigger turkeys, 20, 22, 24 pounds. There was one Thanksgiving, let me count them up. It was at least 10 people over for dinner itself. That's not counting people who are going to drop in after for dessert. Cup of coffee, piece of pie. So when you're cooking for 10 people, you need at least a 20-pound bird. At least that. And you got to have all the sides with enough to serve 10 people. And I know people have cooked for bigger groups than that. But my point is, it's hard work. There was one year I tried brining the turkey. And I tried brining the turkey because turkey is one of the hardest things to cook. Yes, you can put it in the oven and let it roast all day, but, you know, parts of it are going to dry out. You cook it too long, the breast is going to dry out. You might get the thighs and the legs just right, but the breast will be all dried. If you don't season it, you don't baste it, it'll be kind of flavorless. You don't want that. Back when I started roasting turkeys, you actually roasted the stuffing inside the bird. Now they advise against that. I mean, I loved the stuffing coming out of the turkey. Oh, it was so good because the juices flowed through it. And I'm sure if you cook your turkey through, the stuffing is fine. But everybody advises against it. Oh, no, no. Don't put the stuffing in the bird. It affects the ability of the bird to cook through. Then it might not be cooked through all the way. You might have juices going through the stuffing that might carry disease with them. And I say, well, if my grandmother had wheels, she might be a trolley car. I mean, might, might, might. It might happen. But in this day and age, I err on the side of caution so I don't cook stuffing inside the bird. Honestly, I haven't roasted a turkey in many years, and I've talked about this in the past. For many years, I roasted turkey at home on Thanksgiving. My in-laws now prefer to go out to eat for Thanksgiving. At least they did before COVID. So for many years, at least 10 that I can think of, we went out to dinner. There's a nice place in a town not too far from us. We had Thanksgiving Day reservations, and we went there for Thanksgiving dinner. We had dessert at home, so I could still make my pies, but we went out to eat. And there's a definite benefit to that. There's no cleanup. Everybody gets what they want. You don't have to worry about who's going to eat what. Do I have enough potatoes? The restaurant provides whatever. They had a turkey dinner and they had seafood selections for those who didn't want turkey. I remember they had a great sauerbraten, which I actually had for Thanksgiving one year. That was great. I loved it. Since 2020, we haven't gone out for Thanksgiving dinner, but we haven't roasted a turkey because not everybody likes turkey. So what I've done, and I think I mentioned this, what I've done, Butterball has turkey breast fillets. If you've ever seen a pork loin, it's about a pound and a half, two pounds, a long, thin roast. Butterball does the same thing with turkey breast. They cut a long, thin hunk of turkey breast into a roast-type shape, and you can buy those and roast them separately without having to worry about the bones or the stuffing or the bird or anything. You just put your turkey breast fillet in the oven and boom, there's your dinner. And you know what? That's what we do. Our family gatherings are smaller now. We basically have four turkey eaters, so we get two turkey fillets. We roast them up. My father-in-law doesn't like turkey. Margaritaville actually has a nice frozen coconut-crusted shrimp, which he really likes. So that's his Thanksgiving dinner. Jimmy Buffett would be proud. We're having Margaritaville coconut-crusted shrimp for Thanksgiving dinner. And with that, we can still do traditional sides. We do mashed potatoes. We do sweet potatoes. We're not doing green bean casserole this year, but we are going to do corn. We're going to have a couple of pies for dessert. We're going to have a pumpkin pie and an apple crisp, actually, not an apple pie. We're not doing the pecan pie this year. Just one of those years we're not doing it. But we're going to have a nice, pleasant, low-key dinner at home. And it's really nice that way. Cooking for 10 was fun. I enjoyed it once. I'm not sure that I'd do it again, but it was nice to have done it once. 
I've actually grown accustomed to these low-key, small family gatherings. Since it's Thanksgiving, we're telling the traditional Thanksgiving tales. I know I've told the tale of my grandmother's kids' table before, but it bears repeating, because not too many people still have a kids' table. That was a real thing when I was a kid. My grandmother separated the adults from the kids on purpose for a couple of reasons. Number one, there wasn't enough room at the main table for everybody. But number two, she didn't want the kids at the table. We kids were annoying to grandma. I mean, did she ever say that to me? No, she didn't say it in so many words. But I always got the sense, based on her actions and the way my father reacted to what she said and did, that she was just as glad to have all of us pesky kids off to the side. Now, my grandmother's house when I was little, it was a big house. It probably wasn't as big as it felt because I was a little kid, but the dining room table seated a lot of people. That much I remember. It seated a lot of people, but none of them could be kids because all of the adults wanted to have adult conversation, and Grandma wanted to facilitate that. She didn't want us kids interrupting. So there was us, my family, me, my brother, my sister. Then there was my dad's sister's kids, one of my dad's sisters. One had kids, one didn't. So there's my cousins, Nancy, Lori, and Susan. Then there was another wing of the family, which I didn't really know anything about. We never interacted with them, except on an occasional Thanksgiving. Because we didn't go there every Thanksgiving, and they weren't invited every Thanksgiving. But there was two or three times in my early years that I remember meeting like they were second cousins once removed. They were all kind of in the same age range. But I couldn't pick one out of a crowd right now if you paid me money. If you asked me to come up with a name of one of those second cousins or those first cousins or whatever the hell they were, couldn't do it. But there was 10 or 12 of us kids at this table where we were served, but we didn't know anybody. Like I saw my cousins, Nancy, Lori, and Susan once every other year. We didn't have anything in common. We didn't have anything to talk about. My father and his sister were not close, and so they didn't hang out. And as a result, we kids didn't hang out. So basically, at Thanksgiving time, we were thrust into a room full of strangers and kind of had to fend for ourselves and entertain ourselves. It was a weird little holiday tradition that we did. We didn't do it every year. That's where the family politics comes in. When my parents were young, when we kids were young, my parents would negotiate the holidays with both sets of in-laws. And by that, I mean my mom's in-laws, my dad's parents, and my dad's in-laws, my mom's parents. And as near as I could tell, for the first five or six years, they would alternate holidays. They would alternate Thanksgiving with one mom, Easter with the other mom, and then reverse the next year. Christmas was always at home, but the Easter holiday and the Thanksgiving holiday alternated. Now that was the case for, I want to say, six or seven years. At one point, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but at one point, my parents basically said, okay, we're not traveling for any of the holidays anymore. You want to see us? You come see us. But when we were little, we did travel for Thanksgiving. We did travel for Easter. It was the travel for Thanksgiving that I never really forgot, at least as far as my dad's mom is concerned, because that kid's table always stuck in my head. I always hated going over there because I hated sitting at a table full of strangers trying to make small talk. I mean, what do little kids talk about? What do you talk about with strange kids? I was never a good socializer. I wasn't good at it as a kid. I became better at it as I got older because I kind of had to. But making small talk has never been my long suit. And that goes back to when I was a kid. I mean, I guess, what do kids talk about? Lego? Frisbees? I don't know. What do you talk about? Tonka trucks? I had nothing. I read books and played board games. I had nothing else to contribute. So yeah, I never look forward to the kids' table. I never look forward to Thanksgiving at that grandmother's house. At my mother's mother's house, it was a little better. She didn't have the big shindigs like my dad's mom did. 
but she still had us. So there was five of us. Then my mom's sister and her family, so that's another four. But she didn't have everybody over at the same time because my mom's sister's husband, my uncle, his family was nearby, so he would usually do dinner with his family and then come by my grandmother's house for dessert. Now, I'm just going from memory. I'm sure there was a whole lot of logistical maneuvering that I didn't know about. Mom negotiating with her sister, negotiating with my grandmother. Who's going to be where? Who's bringing what? What time is dinner? Who's coming for dessert? I know that went on because when I became an adult, it went on for me. So I'm sure there was a lot of that. I never knew about it as a kid. I'm just aware that it had to have happened because that's the only way you can pull these meals off. And speaking of pulling the meals off, I've shared the story about how my cousins kind of raided the turkey at my grandmother's house. This would be my mom's sister's kids. The cousin that I would mentioned that I was in touch with by email, he was one of those cousins. He may not even remember the story. I remember this because it was my dad who reacted so strongly to it. My cousins didn't think anything of it. You know, they were teenage boys coming to visit grandma. Grandma had leftover turkey in the fridge. They were teenage boys, hungry, so they went in and raided the turkey. My dad loved cold turkey. He loved the leftovers. He loved the turkey sandwich. I mean, if you know the movie A Christmas Story, the love that the father has for turkey, as described in that movie, is the love that my dad had for turkey. He loved the smell of it cooking. He loved the taste of it at the table. But he loved the leftovers. Oh, that was his thing. He loved those leftover turkey sandwiches. Little white bread, little turkey breast, a little Miracle Whip on it. Never mayonnaise. Too much seasoning in mayonnaise. Miracle Whip. And then another piece of white bread on top. My dad was in his glory with those turkey sandwiches. But the one year we were at my grandmother's house and my cousins came by, swinging by after dinner with their other grandmother, and there was a turkey carcass in the fridge with lots of turkey on it, and they were hungry. I don't remember exactly what happened. I don't remember exactly how much turkey they took, but I do remember my dad having a fit about it because there was no turkey leftovers for him. I don't think he ever said anything to anybody but my mother. And of course, you know, we heard, us kids heard, we heard my dad rant about it. But it took him a long time to get over his lack of turkey sandwiches that year. I think he had several turkey sandwiches in mind for the trip home. And it just never happened for him. The other thing I always remember about Thanksgiving is my dad trying to carve the turkey. Once Thanksgiving became a fixture at my parents' house, the annual carving of the turkey became a ritual that we all had to watch. It always took place at the head of the dining room table. My dad always seemed to be fighting the turkey rather than carving it. He used regular knives. He used electric knives. It was always a challenge. I'm not sure why it was always a challenge, but my dad always seemed to be wrestling the turkey rather than carving it. I mean, I've carved turkeys in my life. It's not that hard. I've taken the legs off of turkeys. It's not that hard. Whether you have an electric knife or a regular knife, you can get the leg off a turkey. If you're carving slices of turkey breast from the turkey, it's just slice. Whether you're using a regular knife or an electric knife, it's just slice. And then another slice. And then another slice. As a kid, I figured, oh, this must be really, really hard. Dad is struggling with it so much. But as an adult, when I learned how to carve a turkey, it always made me scratch my head, wondering why my dad had such a hard time with it. He always seemed to battle that turkey every year. And even as young adults, even as older adults, we couldn't really say anything. What do you say to your dad? Dad, it's just a turkey. Lighten up. I mean, how do you say that to your father? I mean, there were years that I did say that to my dad. As I got older, I felt a little more comfortable saying that to him. But it's not something that I regularly said to my dad. Hey, dad, lighten up. It's just a turkey. He eventually did lighten up over the years, but that was just one of the many things that we had to deal with. 
just kind of holding our breath and hoping all the turkey carving went smoothly so that the rest of the meal would go by with a minimal amount of disruption. But most years, there was a lot of goddamn turkey. My dad was not long on patience. All right, the final thing that I want to leave you with today is the non-denominational prayer that I've been running every year for the past three or four years. I can't remember which year I started running it, but I really, really like it. I talked last week about how some people get upset about how you give thanks or to whom you give thanks. I don't think there's anything wrong with just being grateful without necessarily attributing it to a higher power. And I know from experience, depending on who you believe in and what you believe in, that can be fodder for all kinds of arguments at the Thanksgiving table. So when I came across this non-denominational prayer a couple of years ago, I really, really loved it because you can't be offended by it. The only way you can be offended by this is if you really want to be offended. I think you can be grateful just by being grateful. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So with that in mind, I want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. And I hope you have a blessed holiday. And with that, here's our non-denominational prayer. Your amazing grace, whom some call God, others the Great Spirit, and still others Allah, Hear this brief but intense prayer. You won't hear another like it for a while. We know that most prayers you hear, and certainly all those you answer, have some element of need or want in them. How often you must hear, Please God, get me out of this, and I'll never miss church again. This is not that kind of prayer. It's simply an expression of thanks from those of us who feel some gratitude for a few items for which you may be at least partly responsible. No answer is required. We're not thanking you either for horrible things that didn't happen this year. Many of us feel that the absence of bad luck and the presence of good luck are not at all the same. So we won't thank you for those of us who didn't get cancer or didn't have their homes or farms repossessed this year or for the lack of nuclear war. That's cheap and easy and we'll leave such thanks to the easily pleased. In no particular order then, we thank you first for heat. Heat may not seem like much to you, God, but in small quantities, we're quite happy with it here. Not too much, understand, or we suffer terribly. But often, what brings suffering when used to excess brings great pleasure when used moderately. And heat is like that. A warm wood stove is a cause for celebration, and many a day I've smiled in pleasure as I've warmed my purple fingers over the heated cast iron mass in my living room. So a large thanks for the small heat we bring into our homes this season. Next, thanks for one of the greatest of all miracles, made all the more miraculous because it's so common and yet so completely mysterious. I speak of the human face, God, which we sadly have taken for granted. Faces are the most powerful instruments of expression in existence. A twitch of an eyebrow, and we're in despair. A grin and a wink, and we're set for the day. Faces have launched a thousand ships, and often send normally sane people into bouts of craziness, especially if they're teenagers. Life would be boring and terrible without familiar and miraculous faces. Finally, thank you for the enormous reward for the negligible effort of eating. Almost nothing in life gives us so much for so little. Merely bringing our teeth together while holding food between them gives us pleasure beyond compare, not to mention several hours without hunger. You must have known that we needed some regular reward to keep going day after day, and eating serves. In closing, our holiday of giving thanks brings together these three items for which we offer our gratitude. Warmed against the first days of winter, we gather our related faces and share the reward of eating. Good going, God.
All right, my friends, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of things. As always, I appreciate your support and I appreciate you taking the time to listen. We will be back again next week with more story time. Until then, you take care of yourselves and be careful out there and be kind. You can always be kind. Until next time, I will see you when I see you.